Hello Sweat, I'm Jack Grady and this is the Sweatcast, the weekly podcast that provides industry knowledge about the latest trends in the world of sport and fitness. Okay, so welcome back to another week of the Sweatcast. I am your host Jack. I'm here with the co-founder of Go Sweat, Alex, and our special guest today is power lifter Taz Inkbaya. So Taz, why don't you uh, just introduce yourself and uh, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, hi everyone listening. Um, I came on here to speak mainly as a powerlifter. Um, that's what I spend most of my time doing. My other job is I work in data analytics uh, and I love applying data analytics to how I approach fitness and nutrition as well. Um, <laughs> Here's an example. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have a blog called Barbell Curve. Okay. Um, it's a word play on like the bell curve of the normal distribution. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is something that I want to work on in 2018. I've got some posts lined up. So one post that I want to do on my blog is collect all the data from the British Powerlifting website. So they publish all the results from the, the annual championships and so on. And you can actually use that to try and predict um, next year's results. Oh, because okay. as powerlifting expands, every year people get stronger. So I wanted to predict what next year's winners are going to lift. Okay, yeah. What's the, I mean, I don't want to get into day too much because that's not why we're here. But out of interest, what's the kind of average increase year on year in terms of the, the average top lift? Um, it's about 15, 20 kilos. That's quite big. Um, yeah. On the total, so it's that's big massive. Yeah, that's more yeah. than I was expecting. I was expecting to be like two or three kilos on average. Yeah, I think it will tail off because powerlifting isn't very popular in the UK, mm-hmm. but it's definitely picking up. Um, there's some really, really strong, strong people out there, especially women. Yeah. Oh yeah. So all I was gonna say is, um, you know, just like circling back a little bit, what is sort of your fitness journey? How did you mm-hmm. get to even become a powerlifter in the first place? You're the first powerlifter. We've had on a podcast, so I'm interested to, to yep. hear about that journey. So when I was younger, I, I didn't do any fitness. I didn't do any sport. I was very, very unfit. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was the kind of person who didn't enjoy sports days or anything. Um, and then when I was 16, um, that's a, a time when girls become conscious of how they look. So I started exercising. I started running. I used to do a lot of cardio, and I became very, very skinny. Um, And then I went to university, I went to Imperial College in London and I had a lot of guy friends who went to the gym in their spare time. So they brought me along one day and I remember I I didn't even have the strength to lift up a 20 kilo plate uh, back in the day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I just threw them around. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now I use them as placemats. (laughs) Um, But since then I started going to the gym because I really enjoyed it. Um, I started doing other fitness activities like boxing um, and then I was like okay now I need some kind of goal so this was after three years of training I was like I need some kind of goal to work towards because I'm motivated by having a goal so I decided to do uh, a bikini fitness competition and this is when I started to do bodybuilding so I did bodybuilding for about a year and I did a really long prep it was a 28 week prep to do my first show Um, and I got down to 16% body fat so for a woman that's very very low Um, and then after I did that I I had to rethink what I wanted to do 
I really enjoyed the prep, but only the training aspect. Yeah. I didn't enjoy the nutrition as much. Sure. It was too strict. Yeah. Well, like <laughs> yeah. um, so I was like, hmm, what shall I do? So from my fitness circles, um, I, I knew uh, one of my mutual friends was a powerlifter. And then I asked him, can you write me an example program just so I can try it out? And this was a year and a half ago. So that's when I first started powerlifting. Um, and I just really love it. Ever since I started, my self-esteem, my confidence has gone up so much because it no longer matters what you look like. You know, in bikini fitness, the focus is all about your appearance. Yeah. But powerlifting is a very um, objective sport. You're measured by your numbers. Yeah. Um, and I really love it, and I recommend it to everyone. It's funny because there's there's not really any arguing with the yeah. with, with the <laughs> with the bar. You know, it's just either it went up or it didn't. Um, so I guess what is, and I know you were going to talk about this, but what is the main difference between bodybuilding and, and powerlifting for someone who maybe is not really sure or thinks they're the same thing? Mm -hmm. So with bodybuilding, the main goal, I guess, is to look as aesthetic as possible. There's different categories in bodybuilding. So you have bikini fitness, um, which is different from body fitness, where the judges are looking for a different kind of look. So with bikini fitness, they're looking for a very pleasing shape with well-developed glutes, shoulders, hamstrings, and so on. But body fitness is one level up where you're expected to be a lot more muscular. Mm -hmm. um, but powerlifting is all about the heaviest weight you can possibly lift in, yeah. in the squat, bench, and deadlift. Now, does your, I uh, imagine that's broken down into weight classes, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I'm in the 63 weight class. Okay. Um, I recently moved down from the 72s to the 63s in 13 weeks, uh, so I can talk a bit about how that process worked. That must be pretty intense. Yeah. So it's eight kilos down in 13 weeks, um, but it's the best diet I've ever been on my in my life because I had a very different approach to it than when I was doing bodybuilding. So. When you're doing bikini fitness, um, you're on a very, very strict diet where you eliminate whole groups of food. So I was eating a lot of chicken, broccoli, sweet potato, that kind of diet. Mm. Whereas now I follow a more, if it fits your macros protocol. Sure. So I have a prescribed uh, amount of protein, carbs and fats I can eat in a given day. And then as long as I stick to that, I can play around with what I eat. Huh. I feel like that's really interesting. I feel like that chicken, broccoli, sweet potatoes is like something that is just put down everyone's throat when they want to yeah. get into good shape. Um, but I feel like that approach is actually something I've never even thought of before. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's pretty, I think it's a pretty like uh, creative way to go about your diet because you can still eat what you want as long as, you know, you hit, like once you hit that certain level, um, especially when it comes to things that maybe aren't as healthy for you, you kind of know. know trying to sneak pizza in somehow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you're able to, to cut that off to stick to the plan, so yeah, you, great. You can, you can have whatever you want under this protocol. Um, so I think in the fitness industry, we're seeing a shift from like plain boiled chicken breast yeah. to more like more flexible dieting. Yeah, it definitely gets a little... Uh, a little boring and a little tasteless. You're speaking from experience. Uh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've had a lot of I've had a lot of chicken in my life. I feel like. And so I, have you have you talked about um, that plan at all on any of your blogs, or have you talked about that story at all on any of your blogs yet? So I used to have um, I used to have a bikini fitness blog uh, where I would talk about it. It was basically my journey 
prepping for this bikini show and my transformation and the kind of exercises and the foods I used to eat. Um, but I no longer do that blog because now I focus on powerlifting. So this will be uh, the documentation of a new kind of journey. Yeah, I'm sure people would be interested to read about this diet you're talking about, or not really diets, but this kind of control measure that you can mm -hmm. use. Um, so I'm sure once it's up there and published, yeah, people yeah. will be very interested to read it. Uh, I was going to ask about your um, nutrition plan when you mm -hmm. were doing that 28-week preparation phase. How extreme was it? So I think the lowest calories I went down to was 1,200 calories a day, Yikes. which is actually below what is um, recommended for a female of my size. Um, just, some days there was like I wasn't allowed to have any carbohydrates. Yeah, I'm just imagining like just eating like kale and that's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I was I was having kale chips because yeah. I was craving something crunchy like crisps. I would bake kale chips yeah, in yeah. the oven. <laughs> After that had to be hard, sorry, keep going. <laughs> um, and I also, on top of the very strict diet, which was mostly chicken, broccoli, that kind of stuff, I was doing one hour cardio every day. So I started from four times a week, and then towards the end I was doing one hour every day. And this was to, to lose weight, basically. And I think over 28 weeks I lost um, maybe 15 kilos. Yeah. Did you lose a lot of muscle mass with that? Or were you trying everything not to? Um, so I continued to lift heavy weights four times a week, maybe five times a week, because I was trying not to lose muscle. But of course, losing muscle is part of losing weight as well. And so now, do you do your meal prep? What do you do? Is it Sunday is cook up that food day? Or do you now just um, prepare what you're going to eat and then make sure that it hits all those macro targets? So when I was doing bikini fitness, I would be a lot more strict and I thought, okay, you had to prep all your meals. I would have four meals prepped every single day. So that's 28 meals um, in a week. Yeah. And I had a lot of Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> so annoying to clean. Too. Yeah, I know. It's like the worst yeah, part. But now I take a much more flexible approach. So I meal prep twice a week. I cook my lunches for the, for the working week. Um, and then I fit around... Um, any tasty foods around that. So as long as I have a healthy lunch, which gets all my micronutrients in and my protein in, I can play around with what's left. Do you think lunch is the most important meal to prep? Because I know that a lot of people who work in offices or whatever will just go out and go, oh, I'll just go to prep and grab something. Yeah, exactly. So if you have an office lifestyle, um, lunch is the most important meal. Um, as long as that's healthy, then you won't be tempted to buy something unhealthy from the market. Yeah. Absolutely. So just going back uh, to the start, you mentioned that you got into fitness when you were about 16, primarily down to the fact that boys and the kind of mm -hmm. <laughs> that world came into it. Do you think that nowadays most people get into sport and fitness purely down to the desire to lose weight and look better? And how can we pivot that, if that's true, towards getting people into sport and fitness because they enjoy it and want to do it? Mm -hmm. That's definitely very true, um, especially if you look at Instagram and what kind of people are being shown on Instagram. It's all very lean people, um, hashtag booty building. That's become very, very popular, <laughs> which I really hate. So now I see you know a lot of girls in the gym, which is great, and they're starting to lift weights, which is also very great, but they do it for the wrong reasons, I think. So I see a lot of girls who only train their glutes yeah. in the gym. 
Um, so I do think most people do get into fitness because they want to look good and that's how the whole industry is marketed. So it's very rare to see any kind of fitness product which tries to enhance your performance. It's all about lose weight, get lean, yeah. grow a bum, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> we've had, um, you know, with progress, we've had a lot of talks about social media and, and its mm -hmm. sort of influence on the industry. And, and while some have definitely said that it has had positive benefits, I think it's more or less been overwhelmingly, um, at least through my eyes, more negative than positive on people's self-esteem or like how they view themselves or what they are versus what they want to be. And especially, you know, someone who's in that age range between, you know, 14 and I guess 18, or even, even later than that, up until like the early 20s, I feel like it's hard to surround yourself with with just things that you don't have, like on your phone, and you can just look picture after picture, like, okay, I don't have those abs, and I don't have that car, and I don't have that house, and it's just, I feel like it, it can get a little much sometimes, yeah. and it's hard because you have to be your own filter, you know, like, there's no one being like, hey, like, don't follow that account because there's, you know, it's only going to make you feel bad, like, it's not, it's not <laughs> worth it, um, so I, I think that's, I think that's a, a real struggle that's going on, and I think, it's going to be part of the problem in, in turning fitness from a chore or like a means to get that perfect body at, um, instead of something that they really enjoy and yeah, have fun doing on a, on a daily or weekly basis. Yeah, so especially for girls, there's such a big focus on, on your appearance and most of my girlfriends, all they want is to lose weight, to look better. Um, but since since I started doing powerlifting instead of bikini fitness, my whole mindset changed. It pivoted from being very focused on appearance to not really caring about appearance. I focus mainly on performance now. And then how I look is something that just comes With on the side. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people desire that very athletic body. They desire well-developed back, well-developed legs. All of that comes from being an athlete. So if you if you look at the typical athlete's body, I think that's what a lot of people want, but how their training isn't necessarily gonna get them that. And also when you have a mindset that's very focused on appearance, you're always punishing yourself. But when you change that and focus on enjoying the sport, enjoying your activity, everything becomes more positive. Yeah, absolutely. How do you think you can tap into that, especially with younger people? People mm -hmm. aged 15, 16. Do you think it comes from them enjoying sport and fitness from a younger age? Do you think it comes from them just wanting to do it because they want to be attractive? How can we kind of switch that model over? Mm -hmm. So as someone who didn't do a lot of sport when I was younger, I wish I had. So I think what helps is finding something that you enjoy and then also finding something that you're good at. So for younger people, I recommend that they try all the different sorts of sports out there and then find your niche. And do you think the same applies for people, let's say, who are 25, just moved to a new area, haven't mm -hmm. been done much since university or since they were at school? Do you think they should follow a similar approach? Um, yeah, absolutely. There's never, there's never a, a, it's never too late to start. So you know that you can be, you can be 21 and then find a new talent and then go on to become an Olympic athlete. That has happened to people. So. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say to someone who really doesn't have any experience with powerlifting or even bodybuilding? 
Um, maybe they go to the gym, but they're a little bit intimidated by, let's say, you know, the squat rack, you know, or, um, you know, the, the bench, um, and, you know, things that they always see these big, um, you know, guys at, and they, and they don't really want to head over there and maybe embarrass them themselves, um, or they don't really know any techniques and they're nervous. You know, what, what would your be advice, what would be your advice to them? Um, you know, I guess going forward and as if it was something that they wanted to explore, but didn't really know how. Yeah, so this was this was the same issue that I had when I was just starting out. So I went to the gym, I wanted to lift weights, I knew I wanted to do that, but it was full of huge guys and I was very intimidated by them. Um, so what I did was find a gym that had reasonably quiet hours where I could do what I wanted to without worrying about looking mm -hmm. stupid. So I would avoid the gym at peak hours. I think I used to go at like 9pm at night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, I just kept going. I wasn't put off by the fact that I was a beginner. Um, and then as you gain confidence, you build that momentum. Yeah. Um, and it also helps getting a coach as well. So this is something I recommend, especially if you're a beginner. A lot of people would probably be worried it's expensive, but you can find um, reasonable priced coaches. You know, this is an investment in your health. Yeah. That's the if you find someone that's, that's got experience. Yeah. So if someone went to the gym with you, you'd be able to show them the basics. Yeah, and then exactly. over time, they'd be confident enough to do that um, on their own. Yeah, so when exactly. we found that, we, I've shown people around um, gyms and workouts with them for a few weeks, and then they've kind of understood the basics. And then quite often you learn through different approaches, try, try, trying things out, and quite often realising that was stupid or not ready to do that. And you kind of build a repertoire yourself without the need for constant reminder from someone yeah. and then you get more and more confident over time. And again, it's similar to how I found doing Ghost Web 365. Maybe before, I was a little bit nervous I went to a new gym. Now, because I've been to probably a 75 gym, different gyms this year, yeah. I'd actually walk in, I don't care um, what kind of gym it is, I'll do whatever I want to do um, because I've built up that confidence to be able to do it regardless of where I am. Yeah. And nobody really cares exactly. in the gym. It's only you that cares. Yeah, it, that's the funny thing. It's, it's so mental. Okay, so we're going to switch gears into more of a rapid-fire question and answer period. So uh, just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, some of these questions will be about fitness and the sport industry, and some won't. So to start you off, what is your favorite post-powerlifting meal? Um, my favorite would be something very quick to make. I usually have a can of tuna with beans and baby potatoes. Is that a meal? <laughs> <laughs> what, do you put any uh, hot sauce on the tuna or? Um, no. no. No, just I right like, out of I the like, can? I like simple food. All right, and what, uh, I guess what's your go-to genre of music when you're about to get ready for a big set? Um, metal. Metal? Metal only. I definitely only listen to metal in the gym. Um, it helps when I only have one song playing as well. Yeah. So oh, example, I think it skips <laughs> Yeah. So if I'm going into a competition for the whole day, I will listen to one song and that helps me ah, focus. Okay. That's well, cool. give an example of a song you've done that with. Um, so I've done that with Slipknot Psychosocial. That was like my go-to hype song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> and now can you not listen to it anymore? <laughs> I still listen to it. Like when I have to do a really heavy set. It I remember uh, we had a big rugby game for about 10 years ago, 
Uh, and I listen to Eminem Lose Yourself on repeat for basically the entire day. <laughs> and now I can't stand that song. <laughs> <laughs> so what's one thing you do in the morning to start your day right? Make my bed. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> wow. I've heard that before, actually. <laughs> it really works. I recommend this to everyone. So if you make your bed, that's something you've already achieved um, at the start of the day. And then it sets you in a positive, uh, in a positive mindset for the entire day. Gotcha. You sound a bit like you're from an army background, very regimented. <laughs> I didn't used to be. Steps. I didn't used to be, but since I started uh, training like an athlete, I've become very, very disciplined. And I didn't used to be like that at all. Yeah, absolutely. So what's one thing you never leave home without besides your phone? Um, probably my earphones, because I'm always listening to music. <laughs> I'm always going to the gym, so I need my music. Do you always listen to music in the gym? Uh, most of the time, yeah. And I know you kind of alluded to this before, but how many days a week would you say that you typically work out? Um, I work out four times a week. So people are often surprised I only train four times a week. Um, but recovery is just as important as training. So with a sport like powerlifting, you want to do the minimum amount that's going to give you the maximum benefits. So, you know, your progress... The amount of work that you do and the result that you get from it, it's like a it's like an S curve. So once you've reached the optimum point, that's where you have maximum gains from the minimum work. Any more work you do from that, the returns are diminishing. So there's no point doing six um, six sessions a week if it's only gonna give you a five percent increase from doing four times a week. Gotcha. So just for clarity, Taz doesn't view any kind of cardio or mobility, yoga style things, as working out. So really she means powerlifting four times yep. a week and then doing other things the other three days a week, a bit more gentle. Yeah, um, I have a lot of energy, um, so I find it very hard to go an entire day without doing something, even if it's just walking. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what's your favorite book to give to someone as a gift? Favorite book? Um, does it have to be a fitness-related book? No, it could yeah. be about anything, yeah. Um, I'm a huge Stephen King fan. Okay. So I'd probably give someone one of my favourite Stephen King books. Okay, cool. Yeah. Do you ever listen to audiobooks when you're working out? No, I don't. I can't you focus. have a couple of people that quite <laughs> like doing that. I sometimes listen to podcasts when I'm doing something. Okay. More if it's monotonous, so if it's like a bike or a treadmill, I might listen to a podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I only really listen to music. I listen to podcasts, maybe I'm the walk to the gym but yeah. once I'm once I'm oh there goodness. I can't I need it to help me concentrate I like to listen to podcasts anywhere I'm going I never listen to music really yeah I mean I guess maybe if on the bike with cardio I guess it's easier to do um, something a little bit softer than yeah. I, I read when I do cardio so when uh, I it's just a kind of concept yeah I read my Kindle <laughs> so what's one purchase you've made in the last year that was under a hundred dollars that you think you just got an extreme amount of value on. It could be any kind of purchase. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to recommend the uh, slingshot hip circle. Um, which, slingshot hip circle. Yes. It's a <laughs> it's a resistance band, and it's very very thick. And I used it to help me activate my glutes before I do any kind of power lift. So, I was actually injured last year. Um, I had a herniated disc and that was as a result of weaknesses in my body, especially stemming from a weak left glute. Um, 
So since then, I started spending 10 minutes before any kind of lifting workout to make sure the relevant muscles for that exercise were activated and firing. So the hip circle uh, really helped me do that before I did squats or deadlifting. Okay, cool. And then just sort of to wrap things up. Oh, you have one? I've got one final question before you. That's You've gone from the keen fitness into powerlifting. Once you kind of accomplish what you want to in powerlifting, what's next? CrossFit? <laughs> CrossFit Games? So actually I did uh, Olympic weightlifting for two, three months last year and it was really fun, I loved it, but I couldn't continue competitive powerlifting doing that on the side as well. Can you just explain the difference between the two? Mm -hmm. So the main difference between Olympic weightlifting and powerlifting is in Olympic weightlifting the bar ends up over your head. Ah, uh, okay. So clean and press, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once I achieve what I want to in powerlifting, then I'm definitely going to try taking Olympic weightlifting seriously. So what, what do you view at this moment in time achieving what you want to achieve as being? Um, it would be amazing to represent my country internationally. Yeah, that's your goal. GB or Mongolia? Mongolia. <laughs> you must have some pretty, obviously there's a lot of kind of wrestling out there. Yeah, there's some very strong people. Yeah, there's some seriously strong people. Yeah, they do quite well in the uh, International Powerlifting Federation. So next year maybe? Yeah, maybe. Right. <laughs> That's the goal. Um, so I know I kind of primed you with this earlier. What's one final tip or trick you have for everybody mm -hmm. listening? Um, I'm going to give a nutrition trick that really helped me. So I'm, I come from an analytics background and I firmly believe that if you measure something, then you can find ways to improve it or optimize it. Uh, and a lot of people try and lose weight, but they have no idea what they're eating on any given day. So I really recommend that you buy a, a set of scales and then start tracking everything that you eat. You don't even have to me measure the weight initially, just write down what you eat mm -hmm. in a journal. This makes you more accountable for what you eat, and then you can find areas where you can improve diet and this will help you lose weight all right great so that about wraps it up for today so a special thanks for taz to, for coming on i hope you guys enjoyed it enjoyed it and uh we look forward to keep giving you some great more episodes thanks thanks very much